This morning I, I'm going to first read a letter uh, from our bishop that he asked is read at every parish throughout the diocese. And then I'm going to briefly expound on it. I heard, and maybe you've heard it as well, this past week, uh, a homily by a priest in Maryland. His name is Father Edward Meeks. And sometimes when you hear something, you just, it's so well done that you just want to keep it as is. So I'm going to use a lot of what he said. Um, I'm a thief, but uh, I think it's good thieving today. So first, the letter from the bishop. My dear friends in Christ Jesus, as your bishop, I urge you again to exercise this cherished right to vote. As Catholics, I remind you that along with the right to vote comes the equally grave responsibility to make certain that your vote will be best, will best serve and defend the common good of us all. What is the common good? The Second Vatican Council teaches it is the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups or as individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily. In considering the sum total of social conditions which make up our common good, there is a real and objective order of priority which we must know, accept, and vote to uphold and follow. Conditions upon which other social conditions depend must come first in our consideration. In all things, the first consideration for us is the protection of human life from its first moment of conception until natural death. This consideration must govern every law and action so that the person's life and dignity are always and everywhere protected and defended. Without this, it makes no sense to consider any other social conditions. The common good, as the Church teaches, is founded on the good of the individual person's unique and unrepeatable dignity as created by God himself. For this reason, there are some actions that are never acceptable and should never be made so by civil law. They include abortion, euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research, the attempt to redefine the unique human relationship of marriage as the union of one man and one woman, and racism. Each of these grave sin is an immediate attack upon Almighty God and on the person created by Him. And there is never any reason that would justify any of these mortal sins. These intrinsic evils are such because they are directly opposed to the love of God and the love of our neighbor. They are always opposed to the authentic good of every person, and therefore they are the enemies of the common good. This election is unlike any other election in the history of our country. And I don't know about you, but I felt that way four years ago. And I still feel that way. How we vote on November 3rd will either have us collectively step off a cliff and lead to the demise of our country as we know it, or it will cause us to step back, even if only temporarily. So first and foremost, it is not my place to tell you who to vote for. We, at least for the time being, live in a free country with free elections. But it is my place as your pastor to witness to the teachings of the Catholic Church. And so I tell you that all of this should not be taken as an explicit endorsement of any candidate. It is simply the teaching of the Church. There are certain realities about the candidates and their parties that directly impact our Catholic faith, and you have a right to know about them. My allegiance is to no political party. My allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And the stakes involved in this election far transcend politics.
They strike at the very core of what it means to be Christian and what it means to be human. We are living in, sadly and tragically, a nation that is divided. Jesus warns us, a house divided against itself cannot stand. The division lies between the culture of life, as John Paul II called it, and the culture of death. Between the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of the Antichrist. And whether you're aware of it or not, there are powerful forces at work at every level of government, as well as in the mainstream media and on social media platforms, which are working aggressively to silence the truth. We all are on dangerous ground right now as a country because of our lies, our secrets. They practically define us as a nation. When truth offends, we dismiss it in the name of tolerance or some false compassion. And we deny it and deny it until we can barely even remember what it stood for. But it is always there, whether we admit it or not. And every lie we tell incurs a debt to the truth. And sooner or later, that debt will be paid. The truth doesn't care about governments. It doesn't care about ideologies. It will lie and wait for all time. And it will have the last word. Jesus himself said, For this I was born and for this I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth hears my voice. And so the question this morning is, are you on the side of truth? Or do you flounder around in the the waves of opinion, the whim of every breaking news story, imprisoned by fear? Again, Jesus says, everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like the one who built his house on rock. And when the storms came, It stood strong because it had been built on rock. But anyone who listens to my words and does not act on them will be like a fool who built his house on sand. And when the floods came, it collapsed and was completely ruined. The Russian author Dostoevsky said that there are two ages of mankind. From From the rise of man to the death of God and from the death of God to the annihilation of man. Without the truth of Christianity, this nation will collapse. There are issues within our nation that we can debate. Immigration, climate change, economy. These are up for debate between Catholics and non-Catholics. But there are issues in which there is no debate, on which we as a church don't argue. We all agree. And for far too long, Catholics have not agreed on these central issues. Pope Benedict XVI very clearly lays out what they are in a letter he wrote called Sacramentum Caritatis, in which he he defined these issues as non-negotiable values, a concept he repeated many times during his pontificate. They are these, the sanctity of human life from conception until natural death, The sanctity of marriage is a lifelong sacramental union of a man and a woman. And finally, the preservation of religious liberties. Not that other issues are unimportant, but these three are foundational for what it means to be human and how you build a society. 
what you stand for, how you live. And on these critical issues, there is one presidential candidate who stands in very public and very obstinate opposition to the church's teaching, namely former Vice President Joe Biden, along with the entire Democratic Party. And as we have three non-negotiable issues, there are three things before you vote that you must know about this candidate. Three things about his platform that will systematically dismantle the foundational structures of what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God. Number one, Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are unabashedly pro-abortion. This is clear from the fact of his long voting record, his public pronouncements, his allegiance to groups such as Planned Parenthood, and his party's platform that has not just become this, it has been this for decades. He and they support abortion for any reason and for no reason, right up to and even beyond birth. He and they opposed the effort in Congress to pass legislation that would require medical doctors who perform abortion to provide care for babies who survived abortions. They opposed that. They opted for if a baby does survive an abortion, it should be left to die with no care. He and they are pushing for the repeal of the Hyde Amendment, an action which would force all of us as Americans to pay for with our tax monies, to pay for abortions. In addition to their support of abortion, they tout their support of physician-assisted suicide euthanasia, embryonic stem cell research. Whatever their party was, whatever you remembered it to be many years ago, it is no longer. This is the party of death. And Joe Biden is the standard bearer, as he so clearly stated in the first debate, I am the Democratic Party. Two, Joe Biden opposes the church's teaching on the sanctity of marriage. While he was vice president in 2012, he publicly endorsed same-sex marriage. And in 2016, he officiated over the wedding ceremony of two men at his own home posting a photo on social media with the line, Proud to marry Brian and Joe at my house. Three, a Biden presidency would seriously endanger our already dwindling religious freedoms. He and his party want to repeal the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which protects the conscience rights of religious worker, healthcare workers who decline to participate in abortions and church-based adoption agencies that choose to place children with only married heterosexual couples. Joe Biden is on the record for saying he would reinstate the Obamacare mandate requiring religious ministries to provide contraception and abortion-causing drugs to their employees. A mandate, let me remind you, that during the Obama administration almost closed the doors on many Catholic institutions. In at least one of his campaign ads, he's pictured with Pope Francis and a group of smiling nuns to portray himself as a good practicing Catholic. If he's a good practicing Catholic, I'm trying way too hard. Isn't it interesting that the same mainstream media that says he's a good practicing Catholic says that judge-elect Amy Coney Barrett is dangerous and extreme? You know why? Because they're afraid of her. 
They're afraid of people who stand up for truth and live their faith. And by God, if we all did it as a church, they would be afraid of us again. 50 million people to elect a president. Over 60 million Catholics in America. Three non-negotiable values. What is the problem? The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in their document, Living the Gospel of Life, declared abortion to be the moral issue of our time. 60 million babies are dead. The right to life undergirds all other rights. Because without it, there are no other rights. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen wrote these words 60 years ago. A nation always gets the kind of politicians it deserves. If a time ever comes when the faithful of America have to suffer under a totalitarian state which would deny them the right to worship God according to the light of their conscience, it will be because for years they thought it made no difference what kind of people represented them and because they abandoned the spiritual for the temporal. We must vote. And when you do, I beg you to think with the mind of Christ and the mind of your church. But also keep in mind, ultimately, that no one running for public office is the solution to what ails our country. Only God is. We have become so arrogant that we have pushed him out of the picture. And now we are reaping the rotten fruit of that decision. The Catholic Church is a sleeping giant. We are currently in a battle for not only for our own souls, but for the soul of the family and the soul of this nation. It's time to wake up and to stand up for what we believe in. Let me close with God's word. Second Chronicles, verse 7 to 14. Almighty God declares this. If my people who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Come Holy Spirit and renew the face of this land and save these, our beloved United States.